Hey, what up, Long Beach? We've got a lot to cover on this bi-weekly episode of the only podcast that talks Long Beach State Athletics. As always, this show is hosted by the562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler, and he's Mike Artabasio. What's going on, everybody? So happy to be here again for another episode of the LBF Show. We'll be joined in just a couple minutes by Mark Edrington, who is a, a very busy guy at Long Beach State, running the, uh, he's the point person on the COVID-19 team for athletics as well as the facilities manager. So we had a, a, a great interview with Mark, actually. A lot of uh, really interesting behind-the-scenes information about what it takes to bring a college athletics program back in this environment. Uh, but before we get to Mark, we've got to bring on uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Andy. Andy Fee, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good afternoon, gentlemen. How, uh, how are we doing today? We're excited to talk some sports. Andy, we can, we can actually talk about final scores and records and how teams are doing. This is awesome because finally spring sports are coming back at Long Beach State. We broke the news last week at the 562.org that you guys got the AOK from the city of Long Beach to get going again. The Big West had done that weeks prior. You guys now doing that, and that's kind of why we're having Mark interesting on today is because it is go time. Everything has to be fixed and put together perfectly as it pertains to those protocols and gosh, it just, it, it must be a, a heap load of work. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, um, you know, everybody's lifting a lot of weight around here, so to speak, but, but Mark's job is, is, is critical because I mean, as simple as it sounds without, without him coordinating all of these tasks that some of them we control directly and some we, we don't have control over um, he's got to kind of be that traffic cop and make the flow of work, um, you know, connect and move along. Otherwise, it uh, comes to a grinding halt. So um, we are excited to to next week, next Monday, get started here and have those spring teams going. And as you said, to, to be able to talk about um, something other than testing, even though I know we're going to talk about that with Mark, but to talk about sports is pretty awesome. So that's yeah. baseball, softball, men's volleyball, women's water polo, women's tennis, beach volleyball, both track and fields and both golfs, which we'll talk about in just a second. All of those teams coming back. That's a lot of student athletes. That's a lot of staff, a lot of things going on. But you guys worked so closely with the city. And you told me last week that the testing protocols and cadence is kind of why you guys were able to, to break through that. And you, you think you're still pretty confident in that you once you guys get back, it will be full steam ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, um, the one thing we, we don't control are the results of the tests. But assuming that that we, you know, stay COVID negative, for the most part, we'll, we'll, we'll have a spring season, we'll have competition, we'll have practices, these teams will get going. Um, you know, there could be some pauses between now and the end of the semester. But um, we will be up and running, you know, next, next, I keep saying it next Monday is a big day. And, uh, you know, we, we've also, you know, as you said, in a little bit, we'll talk golf, but we've got a head start with those two programs. And um, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, I, I, yeah, I sound repetitive, but um, for, you know, 10 months, you know, the, the three of us have been talking about the same thing with, with, some, with some changes. And, and certainly it's been important conversations, but um, to really kind of turn the corner a little bit in terms of activity you know now we'll have close probably to 300 student athletes out of our our 400 maybe a little over 300 student athletes back so it is quite a change to go from two teams men's women's basketball to suddenly having 12 teams but we'll take that challenge on and um, this is what we love watching those student athletes practice and compete 
are you hearing, uh, you know, social media or in person or via email or whatever, are you hearing sort of the buzz from those student athletes? It seems like everyone's pretty fired up. I think I saw all this, the entire softball team on Instagram talking about how fired that up they were. Are you kind of getting that sense from them? Yeah, you know, and that and that's what makes this job so great is you get to see the joy, the excitement in the student athletes' eyes and, you know, their social media posts. And I mean, across the board, um, it's, um, I think we're all taking a, a newfound maybe appreciation for what we get to do, whether you're an administrator, a coach, or a student athlete, um, around what, what we love, and that's sports. Actually, some action going on today and tomorrow, both golf teams in action. Women's golf is uh, at a tournament hosted by San Diego State, and the men's golf team is at the Nick Watney Invitational, which is in Fresno. So that's not in Long Beach. The travel portion of this I feel like is the biggest uh, key to success because when the big West, you have to travel, but you don't have to travel as far. So is the travel budget going to be okay? Are you guys worried at all about like, let's say sending the baseball team to Hawaii? Yeah. So, you know, the, the travel budget, um, it'll be interesting to see where uh, pun intended, where it lands, but um, for example, the golf teams, typically we would take, you know, uh, minivans, um, you know, with those teams, well, we've got them on buses. Uh, so there's some extra leg room for, for those student athletes. Um, but, you know, to, to meet the requirements around social distancing, as crazy as it sounds, we've got, uh, the golf teams on some buses and we'll, we'll find some ways maybe not to have to take a, a bus on every trip, but, um, you know, to get these two teams up and running quickly um, and to comply with the social distancing, one of the things we needed to do in order to make this happen so they could compete this week was um, this bizarre idea of taking a bus to San Diego and a bus to Fresno um, so that we comply with what we agreed to with the city and, and, and public health officials. So yeah, travel could, could be interesting and, and it'll be evolving. You know, I mean, that, that's the thing that we talk about always with COVID that, you know, what we talk about today where, where travel restrictions might be in one day, two days, two weeks, two months, maybe a different place. So we'll have to see where it is. But, um, you know, I think we are anticipating that those costs will be uh, more this year than in previous years. Um, I wanted to ask you about the vaccination effort, Andy, because I know that um, Long Beach obviously way ahead of most of the rest of the state in the vaccination effort. I know there's a clinic set up on campus and that um, some of the coaches have been able to go and, and some of the other athletic department staff. How is that rollout going and, and how exciting, I guess, is that that you know, I, I feel like that sort of starts to show you the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very exciting, um, as you mentioned. You know, not just for for athletics, but our campus and community. And uh, we have been able to get some of our our staff and coaches um, their first dose of the vaccine. Those are primarily the folks that are that are in person that 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 have the contact with student athletes um, and 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 have that direct need to to be there. You know, we haven't been able. Um, to get to student athletes just as yet. So, you know, a lot of, uh, as I was saying, are those with pre-existing conditions and, and maybe a different age group, a little bit older uh, folks like me uh, who, who might, uh, you know, be in a more high risk category. So it is great though, because that's the first sign. And I think it's the first sign across uh, the city, you know, our, you know, our wives are, are, are teachers in the Unified School District here, Long Beach Unified. And 
Um, I think, you know, Shar has been vaccinated. Nicole, my wife, was vaccinated two weeks ago uh, with their first dose or her first dose. And so it's a really big piece of the puzzle, um, you know, for, for all of us. But if we're going to get to a more quasi-normal routine and um, have the safest uh, environment possible, the vaccine is the biggest piece that we could ever hope for. So we'll see how it goes. You know, the, the city, um, you know, they've done a tremendous job. The mayor, uh, Mayor Robert Garcia, has been a leader across the country in, in how to effectively roll out uh, the vaccine. And so we're appreciative of that. But, uh, you know, it all hinges upon how fast uh, the city receives vaccine and then is pushed out to uh, the various points of distribution like, like the campus. So, you know, we'll just cross our fingers and, uh, and hope that more and more vaccine is, is on the way for, for not just student athletes and staff, but, but for all of us. We'll obviously keep you updated on everything going on there at the 562.org. Well, you'll also find coverage of the women's basketball team off to their best start in 15 years, over 15 years. They are 10-0 in the Big West right now. A first-place showdown coming up this weekend against UC Davis. Uh, they just played with a lot of joy over the weekend, and that, that was fun to watch. We need more of that. Yeah, if you, if you watch that team, um, it, it is a blast. I mean, they compete so hard. I mean, you know, uh, maybe fans and, you know, even myself, you, you don't always appreciate good defense. But when you watch good defense that's based upon intensity and effort level um, and joy, as you said, that they love playing defense, that they love getting after it and, and, and getting, uh, you, you know, turnovers and, and up and down the court, it's so much fun to watch. And really credit to Jeff Kamen, his assistant coaches and the team um, to have that start, to, to be 11-1 and 1 and 10-0 and in conference. Uh, is, is all their hard work. And, you know, we'll, we'll just be here to support them as best we can. Uh, but, you know, I think it, it really shows, you know, Coach Kamen and his plan when he got here and how he wanted to build this thing. And um, we're, we're really excited, not only where we are today, um, but where we think we'll be tomorrow and beyond. We're just so excited for this program. Uh, we're going to have a ton of coverage in the lead up up to that championship level showdown with UC Davis. I've got a feature we're going to have posted the five, six shootout on Wednesday about sort of the genetics of that defense, how that uh, defensive system came to Derek Wynn and Jeff Kamen from uh, Jeff Klein at Chafee College, um, who they were both involved with when he was a high school coach at Upland High School. Uh, and then we'll have a preview of the series posted on Thursday, as well as full coverage, obviously on Friday and Saturday with articles, photos, and videos from every game. So definitely stay tuned to the 562.org. I'm very excited for that series. Um, I think if you watch the press conference from after Saturday's game, you can see how excited Coach Kamen and Justina King are for the series, which, which kind of got me even more fired up. There's no uh, shying away from the spotlight. It's like, yes, we want to host a Big West Championship Series in the Pyramid. Uh, and you can sense that excitement coming off both of them. So it's going to be a fun week for Long Beach State fans, for sure. Before we move on, I wanted to get an update on the men's basketball team currently in their second pause of the season due to positive tests. How's everybody doing over there, Andy? Yeah, doing well. Um, you know, we, we've got some, some tests today. And um, if, if we get all negatives, which is, is our expectation, we, you know, we certainly can't guarantee it, but 
Um, we believe um, likely we, we should get some negative tests from everybody today that if that comes through and then team physicians and, and the health folks um, say, go ahead, that we could resume as early as tomorrow, um, which would allow us to obviously get ready for the trip up to Davis. So certainly crossing fingers and um, knocking on wood right now until we get those test results back. But um, if we get the, the results that we want, um, we could be we could be back in action very soon. So I know they're eager, as you said, their their season's been a little uh, herky jerky, stop and go. Um, they haven't gotten a rhythm going, and I know they're anxious to get that rhythm. They're watching the women's team and what they've been able to do. So I, I think they're they're ready. They they want that opportunity, and um, we're looking forward to it. It'll it'll be a big week if we can get back on track here. We'll make sure everybody out there that you're following the 562.org on all the social media so that you know when those teams are coming back and everything else going on at Long Beach State. We now welcome on our special guest for the week. He's been at Long Beach State for more than 20 years, first as a student and now as the Senior Associate Athletics Director. It's Mark Edrington. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks, guys, for having me on the show. Uh, what are you doing at home these days? You got any new hobbies to take up the time? <laughs> I guess if COVID could be a hobby or uh, working around COVID logistics, then that's my new hobby. So uh, that seems to be taking all of my time, but you know, it's for the right reasons and for a good cause, you know, for, for our teams and our student athletes and coaches. How, you know, one thing we've been starting all these interviews with coaches and players and, and other athletics department staff with is just, you know, how are you doing? You know, <laughs> it's, it's obviously a stressful time. You mentioned it, you know, you're sort of the point person for having to handle all these different logistical changes. So how are you doing personally? Are you holding up okay? Well, I sometimes I have to just acknowledge that sleep can be overrated <laughs> and, uh, and that, um, you know, there's a lot involved and, <clears throat> you know, you you uh, think you kind of have one thing solved and then, you know, there's like 10 other things that comes up. So, you know, with our situation, it's constantly fluid. And, and what you find when you're in the middle of it is that um, there's just a lot of um, layers and complexities to the things that seems almost simple or, or maybe, you know, if you're not dialed into it. And so, um, you know, at, at the heart of this with safety in mind, you have to kind of check and double check and, and things that you kind of took for granted before COVID happened are things now that we have to look at every single detail. Uh, you know, it could be even just, um, hey, we need to wipe and sanitize that ball, <laughs> you know, after somebody's touched it before anybody else can use it. So it's, it's really taking practices that we've had and dialing it down um, and being sure that we're doing everything that we can to, to keep our folks safe. You, you just said it, right? Like, I think the ball wiping is a good example. And, and we're covering this at the university level, at the junior college level, at the high school level. For every one of those regulations, they can kind of get listed out. But of course, on the logistics side, that means you need the materials to wipe the ball down. You need a person to wipe the ball down. You need a person to train the person on how to wipe the ball down, you know, appropriately. Um, how big of a logistical tangle? And obviously, you said it. I mean, it's for, it's, you're doing it for safety. It, it's not like it's a, um, it's not like we're not all glad that it's being done, but how big of a logistical tangle is it? How many Zoom calls are you on every day? Or how many new regulations have you had to read? <laughs> you know, how, how big is the size of that problem you have to solve? You know, it's, it's a pretty large undertaking and it takes a lot of uh, people. So, you know, I, I, although I'm the designated COVID, um, you know, person for athletics, 
there's so many other people that are involved in, in making this happen from even travel, you know, just the way our teams have to travel, you know, we have to have um, social distancing on ground transportation, whether they're in a bus or a van, we have to make that work for the team. And then, um, you know, so our business office is highly involved in trying to help coordinate like the right kind of vehicle um, to get the hotel set up. You know, there's just protocols involved in every single, you know, kind of component of it. And I would say probably the, the ones that are um, maybe not impacted the most, but are impacted that, of them having to do things outside of what they normally do are our coaches. Because, you know, the resources that we have, we have, we have our resources, but we certainly don't have the staff to have, you know, people at every single practice, at every single facility wiping balls. So um, our coaches are, are, are great because, you know, we've asked them, we're like, hey, you know, not only do we need you to coach, but we need you to, you know, kind of be our eyes and ears out there and making sure people are wearing their masks and distancing and, and wiping balls down and all the things that are involved in our, you know, our safety plan for practices and games. Mark, you mentioned that you're the representative for athletics on that COVID-19 action team. Who else are you working with on campus? Is it a large group or a small group? Uh, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's a lot of people. So, you know, we have um, our um, beach building services, which are effectively our facilities guys for the campus. So we're working with them and working with environmental health, environmental health and safety. Um, they're all involved in um, any time that we bring anybody to campus um, that are deemed essential, which basically bringing our, our teams back there now, you know, considered essential because they have to practice. But, you know, the impacts are that now they have to clean restrooms, you know, that they haven't had to clean for a while and their resources are, are thin. So the plan involves literally as we repopulate our teams back to our campus facilities, we also have to reach out to our campus support partners and, and folks because they have to now support um, activity that, that really hasn't happened, you know, since last March. Uh, so um, that, I'm sorry, good. Oh, yeah, I was just going to ask you about, you know, we've talked a lot about the logistics already, and I know we're going to talk some more about it, but I just wanted to ask you about the emotional side of it, because um, one thing we've talked to the coaches and players about, and certainly one thing we've seen at, you know, the, the high school level as well, is there's so much, as you've talked about, that goes into this stuff, but then the players, you know, you see them getting to play, or you hear about what it means to them to actually get to get out and play a game. And it seems like it's been really emotional for them um, in a positive way. Are you getting to experience that at all? Or because you're just so buried in the logistics, it's sort of like you're happy that it's happening, but you're not experiencing it. I think it's a little bit of both. You know, you, it, and I think that sometimes that's just the nature of athletics too, because even without COVID, you know, um, coordinating and planning and, and doing logistics for athletics is, it's something you have to have a passion for, that's for sure, because, you know, your life is oftentimes about nights and weekends, you know, where, where most people, you know, sort of have the, the standard um, hours of, of when they work. Um, but we all know that when we do this. And so that that's part of it. And so you have to have that passion is what kind of keeps you going. But yeah, you you um, you try to take what you can out of it. And then you have to just kind of roll up your sleeves and and uh, and get the work done, you know, to get everybody back. When you're talking about these protocols, where are you getting them from? And is there a continual communication with that source? I mean, are these things getting updated again and again and again, which then, of course, makes you have to update your systems? Yeah, um, it's kind of enough to drive you crazy. Actually. <laughs> so, you know, we, there's, there's um, guidance from the conference office. There's guidance from the NCAA. 
where they've helped put out some standardized protocols for everybody. Um, then, you know, like in our case, you know, we, it took a, it took a while and, and a lot of, I guess, perseverance because of where we're located geographically in Long Beach and how we're, um, you know, public health played such a large role and like, you know, for us coming back. So a lot of this is, is dictated by the, the current environment, the COVID situation out there where we are, but yeah, there are some standard practices out there that we uh, incorporate. We also have a, a, a team um, that we meet weekly with. We have team physicians, we have some of our leadership in athletics, um, and we have a weekly meeting where we review everything and, uh, and talk about like basically our, you know, testing cadence and our, 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 our practices and, and, and our safety protocols and, and then things that just come up, things that kind of throw a wrench <laughs> into the plans, you know, that we have and we have to kind of be fluid enough to adjust um, you know, Andy has talked on this show quite a bit about the logistical lift that just the testing component requires, right? I mean, and, and I think if you sort of look at the city as a whole from the, that 30,000 foot view, you guys are, you know, you're running sort of a soft bubble and there's not, there's not really anywhere else in the city that's doing that, you know? I mean, I think your athletes and coaches are being tested more frequently than people working in City Hall, for example. Um, so can you just, as the point person on that, talk about how big that was? You've talked about there's so many logistics in a regular time of planning travel and games, but you, you didn't, you know, you didn't get into it to schedule a nasal swab tests for <laughs> college athletes. So how big of an undertaking was that to set up that, the, the testing regime? Well, you know, testing is really at the center of all of this. You know, testing is, is. Um, what we do, it's called um, surveillance testing. And so, you know, we're basically testing um, to be sure that, um, you know, we're monitoring, you know, what's going on out there. And the testing that we're doing was a large part in how we got our, our teams that, you know, the approval to come back. Um, and so, yes, it's, it's a large undertaking. And I started, uh, you know, I wasn't the original person who, who was our COVID. I was sort of like helping on the, on the peripheral. And then, um, you know, I, I, I took it over in December and between, you know, Christmas and New Year's is really when I started digging into it. And, you know, we have a, you know, testing vendor out there that, you know, we, we were using, have been using for basketball and then the support from our health center. Um, but, but that's one thing when we're dealing with two teams, it's different, you know, when we bring 10 more teams back. So, um, it is a central part of, of all of this. And yes, it's, it's a very big undertaking. And we've been trying to work on a, on a plan to, um, to make testing maybe um, a little more affordable for us economically, and then also to, to bring it in house a little more so that we have more um, flexibility you know, with, with um, being able to administer tests. So we're working with our team physician, we're working with our, our trainers, lots of moving parts on that, but um, you know, Eventually, what we're, we're going to get is, is we're going to be able to, you know, do our testing, you know, at the pyramid, um, just for our student athletes. Right out of the gate, we're going to be using another vendor because we're we're not quite there yet. We're almost there uh, with all the different things that we have to do. You know, we had to identify um, the testing partners and manufacturers that supply the testing kits. We had to get that approved by the campus um, and by everybody else. They had to buy off on it. Um, there's just a lot of pieces, you know, that are involved with it, but um, the end result is, is it gives us more kind of flexibility and control, but also um, 
it will take the, the cost of testing for our spring sports. It'll make it far more manageable than trying to outsource everything. Other than testing three times a week, what have some of the other significant roadblocks been for you? Uh, you know, I wouldn't call it roadblocks. I would just say that, you know, they're just, we just had to ramp up, you know, some of our practices um, that, that involve people. So the thing that, that, um, um, that we had to adjust to is, is that everybody that's a part of this team that's doing this, um, they're still doing their normal jobs that they were hired to do, you know, before COVID. It's just that we took all these uh, extra um, needs and sort of divvied, divvied them out and put them on, on different people to help. So, um, you know, it's, it's just uh, adjusting to, you know, okay, here's an example. So uh, part of what we have to do is do a daily check-in. And what that means is that everybody who comes to campus, whether it's a coach or a student athlete or even a staff member, they have to go online and, and basically do an online screening. Uh, you know, basically a, a online screening that they talk about like, you know, they don't have symptoms, they don't have, they have to answer these questions. And if they are approved after they do the screening, they're given a, a, a email that says, hey, you can come to campus. Well, when now when they come to campus, they have to do a daily check-in with us where they have to show the email that they've been approved to come to campus. We actually do a temperature check um, to make sure that you know they're they're okay there, and then we approve them and wristband them. And the wristband will signify that they have been approved to be able to be on a campus facility and practice for that day. We're gonna have to do that every day for every single person um, during this time. And That's just got, one little piece. Yeah, we've gotten to experience that. We've covered all of the games that have happened in the pyramid, and um, it, it has been a little bit like. Um, I, I texted my wife the first day. I said, it's a little bit like covering sports on the moon. You know, it's like <laughs> the basketball game's the same, but everything else you just sort of like step-by-step, step, you're like, okay, and okay, and here's the green check. Okay, and am I forgetting anything? You know, like, okay, and I got to stay in this spot. It, it, it's like, it's familiar. The heart of what's happening is the same, right? I mean, you're planning a basketball game, but every other piece around it <laughs> has undergone this, this sort of major transformation. It's, it's a little yeah. bit bizarre. Well, I'll tell you, I think, I think one of the things that will be um, different is the experience for the student athlete and the coach, because there are no fans. And, you know, you guys, you guys have been to probably some of our basketball games that it's just different. You know, you're playing your game, but you don't have that energy. You don't have the fans. And so it's, it'll, it's an adjustment, I think, for, for everybody. And I think it, it's, it's great that we're able to do this. And I, and I think that everybody will adjust, but um, it's one thing to see it on TV. It's one thing when you're actually in the arena and you're like, where is everybody? It's very weird. Yeah, no, for sure. You're, you're absolutely right. You don't realize how much that, and the, the band, it's not just the crowd, it's the band to the dance team. There's just cues that, you know, uh, you've been to even obviously way more Long Beach State events than we have, but JJ and I have been to between the two of us, probably every home game for 15 years or something. And there's so many things in the background that you just used to. And yeah, you just pull them all away. It, it's definitely unique. So what's that going to be like for the, the other sports? How You're going from men's and women's basketball, which is two sports, which was already a big lift, to how many sports are you adding now for the spring uh, starting in a week here? Um, Ten in total. Um, you know, the good news is we've gotten golf off. Um, they had a couple tournaments that started this weekend. So we sort of got, uh, you know, we, we had to do a mad scramble in about like four or five days to get, you know, you know, there's a lot of things that it takes to get um, the student athlete, you know, ready to go. And some of it is getting medically cleared, making sure they have their, you know, physicals done. 
compliance to get them com um, cleared, you know, to actually play and to travel. So um, we, you know, we got them off um, without a hitch. And then, you know, we have the remaining sports uh, coming back. So, um, you know, men's volleyball, uh, softball, baseball, track and field, women's water polo, women's tennis. I, I think I, sh I shouldn't have started, you know, naming sports because I'm inevitably going to leave somebody out. But, um, but we have, we have, we have 10 teams in total for the spring that we're, we're uh, that we're bringing back um, a week from today. So in a normal year, you work mostly with the facilities. And I first want to say that, uh, like Mike said, we've been covering local sports for a while and the facilities at Long Beach State have only gotten better since we've been covering that. And I know that's a, it's a huge part on your, your part, but then your team and everybody else. So congratulations and thank you from two alums. Um, the second is, you know, with those facilities, does one facility on campus or off campus kind of provide more safety, more precautions that will like fold into the facility? like the outside? Or is there one that's kind of a, a thorn in your side where you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be very easy, but I know this one's going to be very hard. <laughs> that's a great question. Um, you know, time will tell um, for us. I think that from a, um, from a safety standpoint, um, what I've experienced is that anytime you talk about an activity happening outside, there's far more um, open-minded to us than anything on the inside, obviously. So, you know, with outdoor sports, it was easier to, to kind of put some of these plans together because you're outside, you're spread out, you know, there's more air. Um, and it's not to say that we can't, we can't get our sports going on the inside, but I think that, that it, the, from a safety standpoint, outside always, you know, help, you know helps the situation uh, better. But no, I think, um, you know, we, we have the plan together. We, we met with our coaches and each of our respective teams in January and went through a kind of a PowerPoint for a return to practice plan. And basically we were trying to give the coaches that and, and for them to articulate to the athletes sort of kind of like what their world might look like coming back to practice. That, that yeah, they're gonna come back to, you know, to their facility and practice, but it might be a little different, feel a little different for them. Um, like for instance, right now there's no access to locker rooms. So practice for a student athlete is literally coming dressed for practice, practicing, and then leaving. And that's essentially what, what their practice is like. And then in between during the practice, there's awfully, obviously different um, things that we have to do. For instance, coaches need to wear their masks for the practice. Um, student athletes um, don't have to, but coaches do. So, you know, we met with them to try to give them a, just sort of a, a snapshot and then some guidelines of, you know, what, what their practice days will kind of look like. Um, on the facility side, I'm an, I'm a nerd about this. So I wanted to ask you this. I went to mini Gantt elementary school across the street from your guys's campus. And when I was in third and fourth grade, I watched the Walter pyramid being built. So <laughs> and, uh, the kids over there, were they on campus, uh, would still get to see, you know, the, the guys hiking up the side of the pyramid, uh, to try and, you know, repair leaks or, or do whatever else. How hard is it to keep the pyramid from leaking? Like, are, do you have days when you're just like, why did they build this thing 18 stories tall? Like, was, <laughs> was it completely necessary, you know, that we have to have guys rappel up the side of it to fix a leak? <laughs> so, so I guess we're going to go there. <laughs> um, no worries. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always been a challenge for us. Like, I think that, you know, um, 
it's a great looking structure and it's a great facility and it's really the marker for the campus. So it's, it gives us all of our identities. Um, well, I think it's the most recognizable building in the city, right? I mean, like it's like, there's a big, there's a big upside to how huge it is obviously in the recognizability. No question, no question, you know, so all good things. But you know, um, it's, it's actually, um, you know, the life of a building is, I believe, well, it depends on who, where, where you get your information, but you know, when you're pushing like 25, 30 years, you're starting getting to get towards the life of the building and that's the roof and just, and the roof needs repair, it deteriorates over time. What's interesting is, is so from the parking lot or even when you're standing below and you're looking up, you can't see this, but we've gotten photos from the vendor that's been up there, you know, doing some of the repairs and patchwork. And there are some places where they're literally gaping holes <laughs> up there. Um, and it's just, it's just deteriorating over time, you know, think right. about it, the sun beating on it and the rain and everything. And so um, while it provides us like an incredibly unique facility and, you know, gives us, you know, our identity and, and, and it's all great, there are some logistical issues you know, with it. And you can't just send, you know, Joe's repair, roof repair guy up there to fix it. You know, you have to have somebody who, who actually can, can uh, manage, manage to get up there. Um, and yeah, it, it is a challenge. What I will say though, is this university has been amazing in stepping up to um, try to help mitigate this. I think in the long run, and you know, I don't know how long, long run is, but in the long run, ideally, we would, you know, get some type of a, a new roof on, you know, a new roof system on there. But in the meantime, um, it's taken some time for them to go up there and they're literally, um, you know, patching every hole and seam um, on the, but they're trying to, their, their strategy is, is to try to come down so much to, to, to mitigate any of the leak possibilities that could affect the core. Right, which obviously by the design of the building happens to be the highest possible right. <laughs> points to reach. Well, and, yeah. and the other challenge too is, is that when water gets into the building, so there's seams on the building and especially when it rains and there's really bad storms and the wind pushes the water, it comes down on the wind, we'll push it back up. Oh. The and so that, that's one of the ways that it gets in. So, and then when it leaks, it gets inside and then we have this layer of insulation on the building and so wherever it's leaking in the building is um, might not be where it actually where the leak is actually coming on the floor. Right. It gets inside, it runs down, and then it hits somewhere else on the floor. I, I always thought when JJ and I were in college, we talked about a funny like comedy sketch would be doing exactly what you just said. You call Joe's roofing and say, hey, you know, I've got a leak in my roof at you know 15, 25, Atherton, whatever the address, the pyramid, and then just film it when they show up and they go, what? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, fortunately, over the life early on, when we have we've had leaks from pretty much day one, you know, we, yeah. it, it's been, but most of the leaks happen in the stands. So we, you know, we could put a bucket or a barrel, you know, in the stands and ask the fans to kind of move around it to work with us. Um, we did have a leak on the floor. I remember during a basketball season, I think it was in the 90s. And it was just a drip. It was just this drip, drip every so often. And so we actually, when the game would go the other direction, we had a towel wiper who would wipe the floor every time the game went the other direction and it worked. But I think what's happening is, is over time, the, um, the, the, the structure itself, you know, has wear and tear on it. And so the leaks aren't these like little tiny one drops, you know, they're a little bit more. And that's why, you know, the university engaged this, um, this vendor to come in because they've had to go up and literally like patch holes and, 
and, and caulk every seam that you can find up there. And we're almost there. We're literally almost there, but it's taken, you know, a little bit of time for it to happen. I just wanted that behind the scenes because you would be surprised as sports writers in Long Beach, we cover everything from Little League all the way up to, mm -hmm. you know, guys who made the NBA and the NFL, Major League Baseball out of the local schools. And one of the questions we get the most is just people texting us pictures of the guys rappelling up the side of the pyramid. Yes. <laughs> just going, what's happening here? You know, I mean, it just it is like a source of fascination. I know for everyone who lives across the street, you know, <laughs> but okay. I appreciate that behind the scenes look. It, it, that is, it's a yeah. real uh, pet project of mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mark, have you ever hooked on to the belt, gotten up there yourself? Would you be brave enough? Um, not, on, not on your life. <laughs> no way. No way. So if you guys know, notice on the inside of the building, there's like, um, on the light towers, there are like stairs that go up. Yes. That's the highest I've been. So I was here before the pyramid was even a hole in the ground. So when they were building it, before they put the skin on the building, they had the, 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 um, kind of the space frame structure done and they had these like, so I was able to walk up the stairs and get to the very top where you could see everything because the skin wasn't on and my my palms were sweating it was just it was just like oh my gosh this is like really high i've also been in a uh that was the i would add by the way that's the pre-instagram era that's like twice as impressive that you did that before everyone was doing crazy stuff for photos you know yeah right exactly <laughs> i've also been in a lift where you know the you've seen the uh the um banner or not, yeah the banners that are hung up there so i um personally hung every one of those in a lift and the thing is is when you get in the lift and you look down you're not looking down at where the base of the lift is you're looking down to the floor which is another 30 feet so you can't be scared of heights in this job but you know that was a long time ago I don't even think I would be permitted to go do that now and I would right. um you know it's a fun building and 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 it's definitely a uh, it's a unique building for us so it's, it can be fun and exciting I'll give you real quick before we wrap up my one daredevil pyramid story, which I think I've told on this podcast before, but when I was in elementary school, I went to, I forget which coach's basketball camp at, at the pyramid. And, you know, it was like a day camp, you know, we come and all the elementary school kids for a month in this or a week in the summer or something. But um, at some point, the then student athletes or whoever was looking after us in, you know, 1990. <laughs> Five or whatever, um, sort of turned their back. And so me and about five other kids got up on the concourse and all of the seats were up. So we climbed all the way to the top on the upraised seats, which, you know, you can climb up. And um, I, I feel, I, we felt bad about it at the time. Like whatever 19 year old first noticed us up there about had a heart attack, just like, oh, I can see you know, going to jail for this or, you know, whatever else. So that's as high as I've gotten, but the lift up to the banners is pretty brave. I respect that quite yeah. a bit. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you were the one responsible for putting a pumpkin on the top of the pyramid. <laughs> no, that, was, that. That, that was a, it was a popular story <laughs> on my elementary school campus though, you know? All right. All right. Well, you, your secret is safe with me and everybody else who's listening. <laughs> Well, obviously, thank you for all the work you've done uh, and best of luck. You know, we timestamp these podcasts for a reason because everything is changing so fast. So uh, stay loose, Mark. Thanks so much for taking the time and joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Our thanks to Mark for coming on. Uh, Mark is so busy that I was like not quite sure how we were going to be able to get him on and how excited he'd be to be interviewed. But I, that, that's like one of my favorite interviews I think we've ever done on the podcast. That was great.
I love talking pyramid urban legends with anybody, as JJ knows. That's like my number one. <laughs> that was great. All right, we're going to end as we do uh, with every episode of the LB Fee Show with our big shouts. Just a chance to give a shout out to uh, a person or organization that's kind of making things run. Andy, who's your big shout for this week? Well, I want to give a shout out to uh, President Connolly, uh, President Jane Connolly, who is uh, who is our leader, um, was a big part of getting us back to activity here uh, with the spring sports and and, and just in general. Um, you know, President Connolly, she she likes to operate behind the behind the scenes, is not one to ever want to shine the light on herself. But I want to give a big shout out to President Conley for helping us get back on track to get these spring sports up and running. We could not have done it without her leadership and support. So thank you, uh, President Conley, for all you do for us here at Beach Athletics. Uh, hey, never hurts to give you a big shout out to your boss, Andy. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on the same energy as you. JJ, who's your big shout for this episode? Um, you know, we mentioned it before, both golf teams in action this week, and Mark said it too, that some of this stuff is hardest on the coaches. So big shouts to women's golf coach, Joey Cerule, and men's golf coach, Michael Wilson, for all the work that they've put in behind the scenes that no one will ever see to make sure that those student athletes are getting back. And I think it was important to do this kind of piecemeal, get the basketball teams going, get the golf teams going. It's, it's a momentum thing. And those guys were really, really important to maintaining that momentum over the last week. My big shout is going to combine the uh, intuition to thank a boss and thank someone behind the scenes. And I'm going to thank uh, Andy Kerr, who's our publisher at uh, the562.org, as well as Marilyn Bull, who is our, uh, our, our major sponsor and donor to the nonprofit uh, journalism entity that is the562.org. We just this weekend celebrated our third anniversary uh, of launching the 562 after JJ and I were uh, laid off from our newspaper job and decided we wanted to stick around and slug it out. Um, and just very grateful as we expressed on our podcast, What Up Long Beach, to Andy, uh, the, our other Andy. We have so many great Andys in our lives, to Andy Kerr and Marilyn Bull and uh, everyone else who pulled together to make sure that uh, we could keep some local coverage going for our sports teams, which I think if you see what we've been doing covering these basketball teams, you understand why that's important. Uh, that we were able to start something new to provide that coverage. So I, I spent the weekend being very grateful to them uh, and everyone else who's helped JD and I out with the 562 and to be a part of the LB Fee Show. It's been such a fun thing to do the last uh, three years working with uh, Andy Fee and Roger Kirk, our producer, and everyone else at the, uh, at the university. Amen to that. Thank you so much, Andy. Producer Roger, like Mike just said, uh, great show. We have, we have so much to talk about now. This is amazing. So oh, we're going to go get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Long Beach. Everybody stay safe. And yes, we are so close to seeing each other yet again. So take care.